David. Oh, hello, Michelle. Hi. What are you doing here? <laughs> I thought I would be back because I wanted to discuss with you something very important. Yes, I know. Snowden. Yes. I mean, last week's app. We talked about how it went. Really, it's it's amazing how we got away with it. I feel like I, I've, uh, we left everyone on tenterhooks. I know. that everyone, I, I see, to be perfectly honest, our Twitter account, at Podcast. literally there have been fingernails. Fingernails. Like, yeah. Like, we need more. Tell we us need more. more. What more. happened? More. What I, mean, I mean, I want to know the answers to these questions. I haven't been able to sleep all week. Oh, all right. Then I'll tell you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Right. Paying attention. Sitting up straight. Okay. You're listening to I Spy, the exiled whistleblower of Australian intelligence. Can I get a cut? Co- oh, no, I can't. I might go to the... Oh, maybe I... Oh, God, this is shit. Hello and welcome to I Spied. My name's Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callan. And this app, we're going to do part two of Edward Snowden. Now, last app, you may remember, we looked at the how and the why. Um, mm. there, and it, some interesting stuff really kind of came out of this. And this week, we're going to look at what the fallout was for both him and also the intelligence community because, you know, it was something seemingly easy for yeah. him to do. It was pretty simple. Look, it, you'd have to be a bit of a doofus not to get away with it the way he did. Yes. Right. Now, we kind of left it with him uh, hanging out in Russia. He's in Russia now. That's yes. where he lives. Which is, I mean, to me, it's just there's some there's this weird kind of irony that, you know, you fuck with the US and you end up in Russia. Yeah, or, you know, an Ecuadorian toilet, which he narrowly avoided. I know, narrowly avoided the Ecuadorian toilet <laughs> yeah. because I think he, uh, he... He basically took one look at took one look at Julian <laughs> and went, to, yeah, I don't think I want to go I was going to say, <laughs> no one wants to touch that toilet yeah, ever since Julian did. that way or do I just have coffee in Red Square? <laughs> I think I'll have a coffee in Red Square. Right, so... Someone shouldn't have eaten the curry. That's exactly. all I need to say. Should have done that. So, basically... Today, let's look at what he took yes. and what it means. Let's look yes. at the fallout because yep. it's actually, it's pretty big what he did. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for, from my perspective, and, you know, we, we spoke about this last app, is how easy it is for these things to happen mm. and they don't kind of get rectified until someone, you know, says, oh, look, I can steal all your secrets. Yeah. Now, I did I, I did do some reading. Did uh, you? Yes, I did. In your some, little blanket fort? In my little blanket fort. I did oh. some reading, so you didn't have to. I read. You're going to love this. I don't need to read. I know everything. The review of unauthorised disclosure of former National Security Agency contractor Edward Snowden, September 15, 2016. I'm oh, so glad you did this reading. Oh, yes. The United States House of Representatives Committee on Intelligence. Uh, they were not happy. Let's be perfectly honest. They were not, not happy. happy. According to the Can't figures, imagine why. he stole an estimated... Now, again, they will never know how much he really took. Yeah. Right? Because they don't have access to all of his thumb drives. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> USBs. Sticks. Yeah. Memories. St- I remember what we called thumb them. Thumb drives. Sticks. Are, they're not thumb drives. They are. They're called thumb drives. They're USBs. They're called memory sticks. Memory sticks. <laughs> they're called little things you put stuff on. Right. Yeah. So, But the estimate is around about 1.7 million documents. 1.7 million. 1.7 million. That's several reckon, pallets how of- How long do you reckon that would take to download something like that? Well, it depends on how you do it and how good your connection is. And yeah. I, I'm probably going to assume that this was over a period of about three, four years because he supposedly yeah. started in around about 2008 and it didn't all sort of come to a head until 2013. Yep. Right. So that's a long time for him to be downloading this intelligence. Yeah. So the whole thing is it was heavily focused, as we said in the last episode, it was heavily focused on the Five Eyes security pact. So yep. United States, Britain, Canada – Australia and New Zealand. So the Australians, we lost around about 15,000 mm. security files. 
Right. That's a lot of files. But he was mainly interested in surveillance programs like PRISM. Now, PRISM collects data from US internet companies. They basically Mm -hmm. get all the data. And there was another program, I can't remember the name of it, where they basically turned around. Verizon got into a lot of problems with it. Verizon, which is the US telecom. They got into a lot of problems with this one because the NSA were basically saying, we give us all your metadata on every phone call made through your company. That's And now, I mean, we had that thing with metadata and uh, what is yeah. it? George Brandis going, no, it's just metadata, right? The metadata. I know. <laughs> I know. Just metadata. Just metadata. Metadata is incredibly important. Yeah. It's a really important thing because, okay, we don't know the content of that phone call, but we know who you're talking to, when you talk to them, how long you spoke to them for, right? And Which where you spoke to them from. Which is also why I didn't believe in the COVID safe app that the government was trying to make us sign up to. Well, I didn't believe in it because it was like basically it was Stuart Robert who put it together and that just makes me go, well, that's not going to work. And also the fact that they had access. The government should never have access to that much information. No, right. Well, it should, but the problem is... It's people. It's like a government per se is fine, but the it's problem the people is it's in the government. people in government that run it. So the problem was, if you're going to download something on, say, a nefarious covert mass surveillance network, mm. you're going to present that to someone, and someone's going to go, "I call bullshit." Right. right. That's that's a given. It's like you're telling us this is real. Yeah. Give us something we know is real. Right. Give us the security blueprint for, say, the US mission to the UN. Okay. Give us your security. Give us something like that. Give us the communications protocols between Basra Air Force Base and Washington. Give us something we can actually use yep. to guarantee that what you're giving us is real. So he was not only downloading a lot of intelligence community stuff, he was downloading a lot of defense stuff. Right. That's where the problem starts. Right. right. So he's he's downloading stuff. One of the things he did was in revealing PRISM, he revealed the way the United States intelligence community were tracking people like terrorists. Right. And they realized, and there was a very, very profound moment where the United States intelligence community suddenly went, hang on, ISIS aren't communicating the way they used to. They're not using burner phones anymore. They're not using any electronics at all. This is hand-to-hand messaging. They're literally doing either face-to-face contact or someone is being given a note and that guy's then travelling however far he needs to to get to the recipient and give him the note. That was the real problem with what he did, was it started affecting the US ability to collect intelligence. And it it happened to all of the Five Eyes, right? The British had a similar system going on. I think there's might have been Echelon or was that American? Can't remember. But essentially what happened was he started to compromise their ability to collect intelligence against targets. Right. Also, in doing that, that puts defense personnel at a at risk. Found risk. Right. So despite the fact that he was saying he was a whistleblower, he was doing more than blowing a whistle. Right. Now, interestingly enough, as it came out through the Congressional Intelligence Committee, they basically said, we do have procedures in place for people like whistleblowers. We've got them in place. They're there. Right. He didn't use them. He went his own way, right? And the problem with that is immediately him doing that makes them go, hang on a minute, 
this isn't just a whistleblower. This is somebody who's actually now giving away state secrets that are required to protect our people. Yes, and I think because there's been a lot of conversation around and comparisons made between Chelsea Manning and Edward Snowden. Yeah. And interestingly, you know, they kind of said that Chelsea Manning was someone who actually went through the military criminal justice process yeah. and was exposed and found guilty and sentenced. Yep. Now, she had her sentence commuted, so mm-hmm. she's no longer in a prison, which is, you know, she did she's living in Canada now? Yeah, she's, yes, Canada. She's barely spent any time in prison in comparison to what the sentence was. Yeah. But Edward Snowden, the the way Edward Snowden is perceived, he fled into the arms of an adversary, um, has sought refuge in a country that most recently made a concerted effort to undermine confidence in the democracy. Yeah. So... You know, he didn't re- – by going to Russia, he didn't really make it easy on himself. I, I, you know, there, there is some – I just – I wonder why if he was so if, – if he stood by everything that he believed in. Yeah. Why would he not face the criminal justice Exactly. Process? This is the point that the committee has made yes. is a whistleblower would stay in yes. place and, and that, blow and the whistle. Of, yes. What he did was he went overseas, yep. blew the whistle, and then went and basically sought – Asylum yes. with Russia. Now that immediately makes them go. Sorry, nefarious purpose. Well, it is, and it does come across as a nefarious purpose. Yeah, and and I wonder, you know, he does his whole interview with the Guardian. If you, you go back and read it, it's nine years old now, mm. but basically it's the it's the original Snowden, the whistleblower behind the NSA surveillance revelations. Yeah, we should put this on the um the Twitter feed at I Spied Podcast. Mm-hmm. But basically, you know, he comes across as this high and mighty just serving whistleblower who, you know, he was like afraid for his values and yep. for average everyday Americans. And I think since then he's come across as someone who is completely opposite to that person. Well, the interesting here, and it comes down to this point, and, you know, we've talked about mice and the, you know, the money ideology compromise ego. Now, mm. for him, it's an ideology thing. The other thing as well is he was not recruited. Right, and no. we're actually going to do a little bite-sized episode on how you can recruit someone and how right. easy it is. Right, it's a little bite-sized, a lot of fun. But the whole thing with this was he made a conscious decision to do this. Right, yep. so in starting in that regard, it's a major problem for him. One of the things that came up was he sort of talks about how on this specific date, what is it, in May 2013, when he saw Clapper in Congress lie to Congress, mm. that's when I made my decision. But again, investigations have revealed that pretty much he was downloading stuff way before then. Yeah. He was taking stuff out of the system before the Clapper testimony. So, and they're saying like about eight months. Yeah. So, again, it kind of. It floors his argument that I'm a whistleblower. Yes. Um, and, and funnily enough, one of the things that now I will take this with a dose of salt. Dose right? of this, salt? Dose of salt. Pinch of this, salt. One of the dose of salt. Oh, let's do that all again. <laughs> <laughs> No, leave no, this in. Let's leave, leave it in. in. Leave, leave it in. Yeah, because yeah. I love it when you fuck up. It's a pinch of salt, mate. It can be a dose of salt. A, do- a pinch <laughs> is a dose. It's a measure. <laughs> shut up, everyone. Shut up. I'm leaving. This, ca- this episode's I, over. All right, pinch of salt, go. Right. So anyway, basically yep. they've said Snowden was and remains a serial exaggerator and fabricator. Yeah. Now, that's impossible. No one in the intelligence community or someone who used to work in intelligence, no one would exaggerate anything. No. I wouldn't. I know no one would do a podcast on how how incredible they were as a spy. <laughs> I don't know anyone who would ever do anything like right, that. Right now, here's a couple of things that they said that prove that he's a, a fabricator and an exaggerator. Right, right. A close review of Snowden's official employment records and submissions reveal a pattern of intentional lying. I'm reading this from their report. Okay. He claimed to have left army basic training because of broken legs, 
when in fact he was washed out because of shin splints. Well, that's a common reason to wash out of basic training. I've got a few friends that all joined the army. They all washed out from shin splints. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is kind of like a broken bone and, you know. But shin he went, splints are really painful. I have had shin splints many times. Yeah, but can I tell you, you know, washing out for two broken legs, that – that's a huge exact because when I read that went oh, broken legs. I'm imagine him with both femurs yeah, snapped, yeah, yeah. and it's like, what were you well, doing? That, that's kind of what having shin splints feels like. Yeah, right. So he had shin splints. Yeah, yeah right. That's fine. For some reason, shin splints though comes across way right. less masculine. <laughs> uh, he claimed to have obtained a high school degree equivalent when, in fact, he never did. Uh, what? Yeah, I'm not uh. sure. Uh, he claimed to work for the CIA as a senior advisor, which was a gross exaggeration of his entry-level duties as a computer technician. Here's the problem with that argument, yeah. I'll say right now. He claimed to be a senior advisor, which is a gross exaggeration of his entry-level duties. He worked there for quite a while. And you know what? If he was posted to Geneva with diplomatic cover, mm. he's suddenly got very senior. That's a very senior position to have yep. in the CIA. All right? yeah. He also doctored his performance evaluations and obtained new positions at NSA by exaggerating his resume. Well, who doesn't do that? And, um, that's the whole point of a resume. That is a resume. A resume is, is literally a storybook of things that you kind of wish you had done and still haven't really done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also stealing the answers to an employment test. Well, personally. Oh, yeah. Now, here's I mean, an interesting story from ASIO. Okay. Uh, I had to do a test when I worked for ASIO. Did you? Yeah, I had to do a test. And the interesting thing was I was – and it was a test. I'm locked in a vault yep. and I've got all the intelligence I need around in me. I'm vault. doing this test. Yep. And I, my pen ran out of ink. And I went to my boss's – I was looking for a pen and there were no freaking pens. I couldn't yep. believe it. This room is normally full of pens. I couldn't find any pens. I opened the top drawer of my boss's desk because we were all in the same vault, right? Mm. And there was – I was the only person there. Opened the drawer. There's an envelope with test written on it. I open it up. And it's the test of the last guy who did the test. And I know he passed. And I immediately went, put it back. And I put it back. Don't look. Don't do this. Get a pen. Do the test. Get it done. So there was a test. So was it, there was that a test was of the test. test. It was the test of the test. Interestingly enough, I passed the test. The next person to follow me in to do the test six months later, because this was, of course, one person and it took you six months to do it. Right? Mm. And it was one person at a time. So I finished this. The next person six months later is to do the test. I show up the day after she's done the mm -hmm. test and basically they turned around and went, go home. And I'm like, what? And she saw me and went, you, you. And I'm like, what? what's going on? And my boss went, you got the day off. I went, I don't have any flex time or leave. And he went, you don't need it. Go home. And I went home, went back the next day. This girl's gone from our office. Oh. She's not gone from the organisation. She's gone from my office. She wound up being like the secretary to the DG at one point. This is the genius. What happened was they put the test of the last person to take the test in that drawer. Which if you, you find it. Yeah. yeah. So my test was yeah. in there. Things I had one answer that my boss, when he checked my test, went, that's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Absolutely accurate, but you would never do it like that. Yeah. I went, okay. She had exactly the same answer. Uh. It was impossible to have that answer, right? So the thing was, when she so – I thought, she's going to get sacked. This is terrible. She winds up on the top floor. And hmm. I just like looked at my boss and he went, you know what? She failed in here, but they love her up there because she, she basically went – whatever it takes to get the job done. Yes, because there are some specific jobs in your organisation mm. that require you to lie and cheat. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's kind of the job. That's kind of, That's kind I remember of the job. a friend of mine who joined the organisation shortly after I left the organisation and he rang me up and go, I just wanted you to know mm. I've become a silver-tongued liar because you got me this job. And I just went, "Okay, yeah. 
And, yeah. <laughs> and he went, doesn't that bother you? And I went, does it bother you? And he went, a little bit. My wife sort of doesn't trust me much at the moment. And I went, okay. it's the job, man. It's the job. Well, I mean, right? it's, that's why there's a great parallel between being an actor and being part of ASIO because they're both – Liars. Yes, and cheats. <laughs> it's it's kind you of your job. You lie for a living. Right, it's you lie job. for a living. I mean, interestingly enough, as I mentioned to you uh, yep. recently, ASIO are recruiting at the moment. And, you know, what annoyed me was when the news report, the Australian Secret Intelligence Organisation, it's not. It's the Australian Secret Intelligence Service. That's ASIS. ASIO is a security intelligence. You know. But <sighs> interestingly upset. enough, they sort of went, you know, you'll probably be an analyst. One thing you will be is a liar. Yes. Now, here's the final thing that they regard it because it proves that he's a serial exaggerator yep. and fabricator. Yep. This is my favourite. In May 2013, Snowden informed his supervisor that he would be out of the office to receive treatment for worsening epilepsy. Mm. In reality, he was on his way to Hong Kong with stolen secrets. Well, my God. Wouldn't you tell your boss, look, I'm not coming in tomorrow because I'm going to Hong Kong to sell secrets to a, a journalist. Is that cool? Right? Yeah. The fact that they used the fact that he lied to get out of the office to fly to Hong Kong, that to me is hilarious. So the basic thing with Snowden and what he's done is he has literally torn a massive hole into the Western intelligence services. He's ripped them wide open and gone, this is just how bad your internal security is. Yep. Right? In doing so, I mean, I wouldn't be at all surprised if certain military secrets like basically specifications on military equipment mm-hmm. would have gone with him, loadouts in military bases, strategies and tactics for potential military action that would have gone in there but also what was going on in Europe that one of the interesting things was the the British basically afterwards had to pull pretty much all of their intelligence assets out of the Ugh. Eastern Bloc simply because they couldn't trust the fact that they weren't all about to be revealed because of Snowden right this is that it basically blew a massive hole in intelligence gathering now what's interesting about that is he's kind of done them a great service in a way in that by blowing this massive hole into it, it's made them really focus hard on fixing it, which I think might be why you're seeing a lot more public presentations by your intelligence chiefs, right? So, you know, Burjo and Simo and the boys, I like the fact that we can all put an O at the end of their names. All of (laughs) our intelligence leaders in Australia are now getting a much more public face. And I think that's a way of basically them countering this idea that we're now getting, you know, we've got this massive hole in our intelligence services. And interestingly enough as well, Snowden, who has, you know, he's in exile in Russia. Mm. His partner is with him. Oh, yeah. She she is. Yes. So she went over there in 2013, I believe. And, well, no. So he left the United States. 2013. He was in there in 2013. She left the United States to join him in Moscow in 2014. Uh They married in 2017. They now have a son. Nice. And what was interesting as well that they have applied. So Snowden had decided to keep his US passport and he's also become a Russian citizen. Yeah. And the reason why he wanted to do that was because they're applying for dual US Russian citizen for their son. So they need, in case they ever get separated, they need to make sure that they can stick together. Yeah. So interestingly that she decided to follow him. Well, to love Russia. is, you know. I mean, if if Do you think though that they had discussed this beforehand? Oh, hey, uh what goes on in the bedroom? I know, but like you would think that he would have this conversation with her before he did it, right? Um interestingly enough there are like 
there are examples. Petrov's a great example where he basically, and interestingly enough with Petrov, one of the things was Beria. After the death of Stalin, Beria, who was the head of the NKVD at the time, mm. was one of the guys that was purged by, I can't remember, it wasn't Khrushchev, it was the one before Khrushchev, the leader of the Politburo. Mm. He was purged, right? And all of the people that Beria favoured was purged and Petrov was a Beria man. So he didn't want to go back to Moscow because he was terrified that he would get purged as well. Mm. Like he'd either be out in a gulag I mean, somewhere or I dead. I mean, purged is just not a very nice thing. It's name. not a nice word. It's basically it's a bullet in the back of the head yeah. or enjoy <laughs> consider Siberia. Your, consider yourself purged. Yes, enjoy Siberia. The mosquitoes are lovely in summer. Yep. What happened was no one's really sure if he told his wife, if Petrov told Evdokia. And in fact, yep. it, it, most people believe that he didn't. He basically walked out and said, I defect, I defect. Yep. He said that, and if Dokia was like left at the embassy, going, "Dude," because that's how she's called it. She called him "Dude." Yep. Dude, what are you doing? Right. So she was stuck there, and then of course there was the drama of Asio pulling her off the plane in Darwin, and you know the Russians trying to drag her back on the plane. It was all mad and crazy and stupid. Mm. But yeah, I think a lot of the time, I think with someone like Snowden, he probably didn't discuss it with her. Yeah. Because as soon as he does that. What if she has a crisis of conscience and feels the need to tell someone? Yes, but I would. Th- it's just it's a weird one. But interestingly, come on. Do you lie to your partner? Mm. Do you hide things from your partner? Is a better way of doing it. Do you have any secrets from your partner? I'm not a very good liar. I've noticed that. I'm pretty. That's like- a lie. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't lie. I can't lie. You can't lie. No. Good. Did you chop down that cherry tree? No. Oh, <laughs> no, it was. It was George. Um, He's already admitted to it. Uh, look, that's the thing, though. People have secrets. Now, this is a very, very big secret to keep. And it's also the thing is to give it to someone you love could be a very dangerous yes. secret to hand off. understand. So I think for someone like Snowden, I think he probably didn't discuss it with her and afterwards would have had that long and very awkward phone conversation. The fact that she turned around and went, I love you anyway and I'm going to join you. And they're still together and they have a son and they're mm. trying to make sure that whatever happens to them, they can remain together. I think that's an indication of their relationship. But honestly, I don't think he would have risked telling her. I just no. don't think he would. It's not – like literally, it, for want of a better word, it's operational integrity. Well, then for her to then decide to go over there, marry him and live in Moscow is because essentially he would have lied to her. And, you know, he, he faces three charges under the Espionage Act and that could send him to prison for 30 years if he returns and is tried and convicted. Yep. And interestingly, Trump at one point said he was open to allowing him to return from Russia without going to prison. Yep. Although and then he also tweeted that he's a dirty trader and he should be shot. I mean, right, so I feel like that. So whenever ship is out. whenever Donald <laughs> says anything, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Um, so but, I would imagine he is not going to be allowed anywhere. I can't imagine he's probably. I really can't see him getting out of Moscow no. unless he flies. And here's the thing: there are no direct flights to Ecuador. Yeah, and that's the big problem he's got. Is the only place where he could probably go and be happy is a place he can't get to. Yep. So uh, I think we've covered everything, haven't we? Anything yeah. else? Um. Well, we've kind of like, yeah, so the fallout, what it means, the fallout for him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we've covered it. I think the Snowden stuff is really, really interesting and maybe we should continue and maybe like look at Julian Assange or even Chelsea Manning. We haven't really looked at Assange. We had a little look at Assange, but mainly it was like we had that. We did the episode. I think 
Chelsea Manning's a good one. In fact, there's the Manning stuff I, is really. I, interesting. I am going to. I really want to talk to an Australian whistleblower. Oh, so I'm yes, going you do. to get you do. out, get off my butt, and okay. I am going to send an email to. Uh, I think probably David McBride might be a good one to talk to. Okay, all right, because uh, he was the guy who revealed all the stuff yes. about our special forces in Afghanistan. Yes. so I'm going to try and get him on. Okay, well, let's try and have a guess. But if not, I think we should continue down this kind of track of like looking at whistleblowers because it is kind of a very interesting area and what it means for well, the spy community, the, yeah. se- the, the intelligence community. And there, you know what? Funnily enough, there's a lot of them out there. Spies or whistleblowers? Spies. <laughs> <laughs>